was the night before baseball. Welcome to a very special Valley Sports Plug 2023 MLB season preview. I am your host, Chris Patrick, and with me, as always, are my glorious co-hosts, Michael Benjamin and BSP Tallman. What's going on, my guys? What's up? What's up, man? I'm ready for some peanuts. I'm ready for some Cracker Jacks. I'm ready for all of it. An ice cold beer. Should I say a Dodger dog? I don't know about that, yeah. but I'm ready to talk some baseball, man. What's going on, fellas? Yo, what's up, guys? Did I cut you off? My bad. I was just saying maybe a D-backs dog, but no, Tallman, what's good? How yeah. you doing, man? Good, man. Uh, ready for trying to figure out how to bet on uh, some baseball again that time of year. Uh, it's <laughs> a, a little rusty. Season. Yeah, new season of uh, the Tallman Ticket. We'll see what type of stupid bets we can make this year, but uh, it should be fun. That's right. Is this going to be a weekly thing, a daily thing? You know, uh, once in a while thing. I mean, uh, NFL 12 weeks or excuse me, 17 weeks. That was pretty easy. And then a little bit of, you know, specialty ones, but it's too much baseball. I don't know. We might, uh, I might have to mortgage my house at the end of the baseball <laughs> season if we do it every week. I was going to uh, say, but, and if he did it daily, you're trying to make the poor guy go broke. Come on. Yeah, that'd be too bad. yeah daily, daily would be <laughs> tough. We, we might have to start a whole separate TikTok account at that point. <laughs> maybe maybe we can maybe we can ask him for once a week. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, probably once a week. That Friday special. <laughs> Solid. Well, Tallman, you're in luck because we do have some special guests joining us today that might help give you some knowledge and insight to help guide you in your betting endeavors. So first, you know him, you love him, Valley Sports Plug contributor with the lights out. Mr. Ian from the Abyss. What's up, guys? Can you hear me okay? We can. We can. Ian, you're calling Perfect. in because uh, you're dealing with a power outage? Yep. Literally five minutes before I jumped on, my power went out, and it's out on the whole block. It's estimated to be fixed in about two hours. So basically the entire time we'll be on stream, I'll be sitting in the dark, which is great. But I found out, like, my phone light, can bounce off my notebook and then hit me in my white ass face and you can see me a little bit. So at least there's that. I got a little bit of a little bit of lighting. So hopefully Excellent. we can get through this. I love it. It's seeming to become a trend where when we do a baseball live stream, we have to have someone call in. Last time uh, Tallman was down in Louisiana or Florida, something like that. Uh, Close enough. Close enough. Florida. Somewhere down <laughs> south and east. Uh, but uh, also the last time we did a baseball live stream, we had our other very special guest join us. He is our resident L.A. Dodgers expert, Raymond. What's going on, man? Good to be back on, guys. Super excited to talk baseball. Just like Mike, I'm super excited to go to a ballpark, have a nice ice cold beer. Um, I'm going to give a huge shout out to Sauber Fields. Those Sonoran hot dogs were killer. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. Hell yeah. Well, happy to have you, man. For all the uh, negative attention Diamondback Stadium has been getting recently, they are known for having some pretty good eats down there. I know you mentioned Salt River Fields. It's a little bit different, but, you know, kind of same, same, too. But let's go ahead and get right into it with the time we have. We're going to talk 100% baseball, as you know, from the onset there. But first off, let's just go big picture here. Talk about the overall landscape of the MLB. There's a lot of teams 
competing this year. I think there's some good parity in the league, some rule changes, some players switching teams. So let me just go over to my right here first. VSP Tallman, let me pass it to you. What are you looking forward to this MLB season? I'm looking forward to the speed of the games. Uh, I think that's going to be the most interesting. I think it was like an average of 26 minutes or being cut off each game. Um, not saying I have a short attention span or anything. Not, it's not a millennial thing. Let's let's not go there. Um, but I think that's really going to help them out be more, uh, I don't know, just, just better on the eyes. Because, I mean, you could watch a baseball game and it could go four or five hours. And, I mean, and a team that wins could win one to zero. So I think speeding it up uh, could be a lot better for the viewing experience. So that is really what I'm curious to see. I mean, I went to a spring training game and I won't lie. It was a, the only spring training game I watched and it was a, it was a Cubs game um, at Sloan park. That game was the fastest baseball game I think I've ever been to in my life. Granted it is spring training, but I swear it was over in like an hour and 45 minutes, but um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that really impacts uh, the, the season as a full going forward. And that's a really good question because you see, you've, we've seen some changes already being made. Like last year, I think is, or maybe two years ago now at this point, is when they implemented the uh, 10th inning rule where you, they start a runner on second base. And I was super opposed to that at first, but it, it's kind of grown on me. Mike, what do you think about the the pace of the game and what, do you, what might you be looking forward to this season? It definitely kind of was a little bit of a culture shock. You know, I'm not the biggest baseball aficionado, but... The first time when I went to a spring training game this year, I went to Salt River Fields like Raymond and to see that big pitch clock right behind the catcher, you know, when you're sitting out in left field, it's just something to behold and it's getting guys in motion and and making those decisions quicker. So it's obviously going to be a, a learning curve for everybody. But, you know, I know I give kudos to the MLB for, you know, trying some new things, you know, and pushing the game forward because we want to make sure that as many people are, you know, still tapping into America's pastime or the national pastime, whatever you want to call it. So I'm excited to see where that goes and some of the other rule changes, you know, like the shift, the bigger bases, and we'll see how that impacts everything this year. Yeah, I definitely want to take a deeper look at that here in a little bit. But first, I got to ask Ian, you know, who, for anyone who doesn't know, I should say, Ian is from New York. He is a Yankees fan. So we boo him for that. But we do appreciate his insight. Uh, a lot of people have called this like, uh, I think, the juice ball era. And the Yankees are known for having some power hitters and they re-signed Aaron Judge this offseason. Do you think we're going to still see balls flying out of the parks this year? And, and what are you looking forward to? Yeah, I don't see any reason why, you know, the, the big home run hitters in the league aren't going to continue to hit home runs. Um, when you look at the stats with the juice balls, it's a very small number, um, and they're mixed in with balls that supposedly weren't juiced. It, it's all super consequential, but um, I got to say I'm excited for the pitch clock too. I mean, I, I think it is going to help with the pace of play, and that's, that's the kind of rule change that I think is going to add to the longevity of baseball as a sport and i also want to give a nod to the world baseball classic which i think is going to help boost popularity a little bit more especially you know with international fans i think that's the direction that the game should be headed um yeah i i think this season we're probably going to see a lot more infield scoring since the we have limitations on the shift 
but there are to answer your question, our home run hitters are still going to be doing exactly that. I think. I would totally anticipate that. And another team that's known for hitting homers and being successful is the Dodgers. Raymond, I want to know what you're looking forward to. And also uh, you brought it to my attention, this new rule with the um, pickoffs, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that and also what you're looking forward to? Yeah, absolutely. I think kind of like everybody's touched base on, I think just the pacing of the game is going to be huge. Um, <clears throat> I do eventually want to touch base on as well. <clears throat> I do think there's still some tweaking to be done with the pitch clock. I do think that the last thing I'd want to see is a game seven, a playoff game ending on a pitch or taking a second too long, but that's a different conversation. Um, no, I think I'm really excited for the pace of the game. Um, we're at a point now where the sport has – some of the best athletes in the world, <clears throat> you know, I'm looking at the, the Trey Turners, Xander Bogarts, guys like that, that can make some outstanding plays. And I'm super excited to see how the shift just brings out the athleticism in some of these guys. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, in regards to the pickoff attempts, um, that's a rule that's not really being highlighted in a lot of um, articles and uh, podcasts and things like that. <clears throat> so I really wanted to bring that to everybody's attention that, Essentially, part of the pace of the game is a pitcher only gets three pickoff attempts. You get your first one, your second one, and if your third one is not successful, it's considered a balk. The runner advances to the next base, essentially. And I think that's really interesting because I think what their mindset was with that was with a pickoff attempt, it resets the pitch clock, right? So what they wanted to do was kind of circumvent that by saying, okay, if you're going to do that, you only get three attempts. You try once, you try twice, you don't get it a third time, that's a runner, that's an advancement. So I'm really excited to see how that gets implemented as well too, especially for some of the vets that, <clears throat> I mean, I'll pick on a guy like Rich Hill. You know, he played for the Dodgers for a few years. He was notorious for, you know, picking off like five, six times before even throwing a single pitch, you know. So I'm excited to see how that plays out. Isn't correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I was just thinking about this just now. Isn't that also a rule with the batter and how many times they can step out of the box when they're at the plate? Yeah, I did see something about that. I think they I, I, I don't call me on the number, but I'm pretty sure it's probably only like once or twice they would step out. That sounds right. And, and it's interesting because when, when I was kind of doing my show prep today and we were all texting, you go on MLB.com and they have a whole little section about the new rules this year. And they really only highlight the pitch timer, the shift restrictions and, and the bigger bases. Um, I thought that was very interesting, but it, it totally makes sense that those two things would kind of go hand in hand with the pitch clock. Um, for anyone who isn't aware specifically, it's 15 seconds with the bases empty and 20 seconds with the runners on. Um, and then the violations are obviously an automatic ball or strike, depending on uh, which which player is at fault, because the timer is for both the pitcher and the batter, I believe, the batter to get into the box and be ready to take the pitch. And it's been interesting. I was talking with Ian earlier this week. There's some pitchers that are already taking advantage of this and honestly kind of seem to like it. I saw Zach Granke. He was kind of playing some mind games where he ate up like the full 15 seconds before he threw his pitch. And then as soon as the batter got set the next time, he launched one right down the middle. Tallman, uh, you were play. You were a baseball player. You were a catcher. How how would you feel about playing with a pitch clock out there? Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, as a catcher, I mean, you're always kind of ready to go, um, especially when you're down on your knees. I think the catchers are gonna love it because shit, does it hurt sometimes? Because um, you can't 
granted the pros don't wear, uh, they wear a little bit to help them, but, um, like a little padding, like a knee saver. Right. But, um, might help them not squat as much. So the catchers are going to love it. I'm sure. Um, I don't think, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's going to help a lot the pitchers. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think it's going to really have a big impact. Um, it's really going to help some of these people, you know, actually stay focused in the game and not waste a bunch of time. So I, I don't think it's going to be a huge impact. You just got to change. Just got to learn how to deal with it. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be mixed feelings. Some guys are going to hate it. Some guys are going to love it. But I like, you know, Zach Greinke, he's not a young pitcher. And his, you know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but he's picking it up and running with it. Mike, what is what do you think out of these three, four rule changes we've been talking about? Which one do you think is going to have the biggest impact on baseball going forward? Overall, it's probably going to be the pitch timer, but I'm really excited to see how the shift restrictions really come into play, to be honest with you. You know, now you have to have two infielders on each side of uh, second base and they need to have both feet on the dirt uh, as the pitch releases. So, you know, it's going to keep guys moving and we're going to see a lot more squeakers back down, uh, you know, between first and second basemen. Whereas, you know, the past couple of years, I think it was starting to get stale when you always knew like a big left-handed hitter who always pulled the ball. You, you got three guys set up and it basically was never a chance if the ball went on the, on the ground. So I'm excited to see how that kind of comes into play because the more action on the base paths, the better for the game because that's what we want to see. You know, we want to see those steal attempts. We want to see those pickoffs only to a certain amount of of an extent. I really do like that as well. I think that's going to have a big impact on pushing the game pace as well. So I'm excited to see what happens with the shifts and, you know, hopefully guys will start to take advantage of that. Absolutely. And I heard that that was a big thing is that they just want to increase the athleticism. I like what you said there that it was kind of getting stale. I know, um, was it Ian, help me out here. Was it DJ LeMahieu where the teams would literally shift to the whole other side of the field and we're just picking him apart? Or was it a, a different Yankees player? Oh, God, I know who you're talking about. And I um, I feel like it might have been Donaldson, honestly. I oh, think okay. they used to shift to the right against him. But definitely, yeah. I mean, that, that that's going to be a thing where, you know, you're giving them that gap now with the, with the shift restrictions, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. And, and uh, certain managers that come to mind that definitely use the shift a lot, leaned on it heavy, like Kevin cash on the Rays, like they got to come up with something new to, you know, circumvent the fact that, you know, they don't, they don't have the most athletic guys or they don't have a way to beat, teams that they shouldn't be beating so it's it's back to the drawing board for them i think it's going to be very interesting going forward seeing that and going back and looking at old footage of baseball games in the 70s and 80s before the shifts was even a thing i i, I think you see some some of the cooler fielding plays for sure from that era and I'm, I'm excited to see something a little more towards that again it's going to be interesting to see how the teams adjust. And just to highlight what we're talking about with these new shift restrictions, the rule is now set that you have to have two infielders on each side of second base, and then the infielders need to have both feet on the dirt at the pitch release. And like we were saying, the, the idea here is to uh, increase the athleticism. Um, 
Now, I will, the, the last one I kind of want to talk about with these rule changes is just highlighting the bigger bases. They're going from 15 inches to 18 inches. And the, the intention is that it, they notice that it reduced the amount of injuries in minors when you have one guy with this foot on the bag and another and a guy running in. But Raymond, did you see maybe any unintended consequences of increasing the base size? Sorry, give me a second. Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, honestly, I mean, it makes sense. You know, I know a lot of <clears throat> order heads in the baseball world, you know, clown on a lot of these guys wearing the big oven mitts to try to slide on the bases and things like that. At the end of the day, player safety is always going to be a big part of it. You know, you talk about the NBA and other, other sports that are emphasizing so many aspects of the game, such as load management. You know, the last thing you want is your favorite player, you know, seeing the advantage with all these new rule changes slide into the base and get stepped on and misses a week or two weeks, you know? So I'm super excited for the bigger bases. I don't really think it's going to make a big difference to the average fan, but to those that actually watch the game and are able to really appreciate everything about it, even an inch or two on the base, it makes a world of a difference when you're having those bang, bang plays, you know, I'm thinking even on, how was it? I think it was like a world baseball classic game, even that it was like a split second hair where, the foot almost touched at the same exact time that the ball went into the glove. You know, I'm thinking of plays like that, you know, that could get affected with the bigger base. So I think it's going to be good for the game for sure. I could see that. It seemed, it seemed crazy to me when I first heard about it and they were showing the side by side. Cause even though it's just three inches, it, it looks a lot bigger, but then also you, you realize how big a baseball field is. I mean, it's 90 feet. Uh, to each base. So I agree. I don't think it's going to have too much of a crazy consequence, but talking more about the league more broadly, there were some moves that happened here this off season, a lot of, a bit of a shakeup, some players leaving teams going to others. And I think in baseball, we tend to see this more than we do in other sports. I think Tallman, I'll, I'll pass it to you first, but some of the players I wanted to highlight that changed teams in free agency were Trey Turner going to the Phillies, Justin Turner to the Boston Red Sox, Dansby Swanson and Cody Bellinger signed with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, we'll definitely get Raymond's take on this. The Dodgers added Noah Syndergaard and our boy J.D. Martinez. He's very familiar to Los Angeles Stadium where he spanked four homers out of there when he was on the Diamondbacks. Love that. Um, but, Tom, any either any of those or any other players that got moved, are, are you curious to see how they do on their new teams? Yeah, the biggest one I'm curious to see is uh, Verlander in New York with the Mets. So I, I don't know. The Mets are looking a little scary. Better watch out, Ian. Um, there was another one I saw. What was it? DeGrom with the Rangers. How much money the, the Rangers have spent uh, last year going into this season? It's. It, I mean, I think I saw their salary cap was like they're spending like $500 million or something. Um, they threw a ton of money at pitching. So um, I don't know. I'm curious to see how, how – uh, DeGrom does with the Rangers, and I think they're going to have a good year. Yeah, and Justin Verlander at 40 years old, we just had our fantasy baseball draft this last Sunday, and I had to pass up on him just, just for that reason. I mean, I know pitchers can kind of tend to go into their 40s. It's not uncommon, but I just worry about his longevity and being able to finish the season, even though he did have an incredible season last year. Mike, I'll pass it over to you next. Are, are there any guys that you're excited to see on their new teams this year? Oh, I mean, you could talk about Aroldis Chapman going to Kansas City, Jose Abreu going to Houston, you know, the 2020 AL MVP. 
uh, one of the other bigger ones, I think, just for me specifically, because he has those Diamondbacks ties, is Dansby Swanson going to Chicago. And the Cubs are kind of in a rebuilding phase right now, but I know Dansby was a big part of that Braves championship team. So I'd love to see kind of what he does out there. And he wasn't a part of our culture for long enough. You know, we shift him out really early, but I always kind of wished him success because I was hoping what hopefully ends up happening with Corbin Carroll would come with Dansby Swanson with the organization. But we'll be keeping an eye on him. And, you know, we have plenty of friends who have Chicago ties, so I'm sure they'll be bringing his success to our forefront uh, on a consistent basis. So. Oh, without a doubt. And, I, and an interesting one for me, along with uh, Dansby Swanson, I highlighted there, Cody Bellinger. He's had a couple uh, down seasons, and I think that's probably – a reason why the Dodgers kind of let him let him go and, and didn't really pursue him. I mean, at least to my knowledge. Uh, Ian, I'll pass it over to you, though. Uh, we're talking about players signing with new teams. The Yankees got Carlos Rodon. Rodon? Rodon. Um, I really I really started liking him when he was on the White Sox. He's been a pretty solid pitcher. He's kind of a guy known to, to get strikeouts. Um, on top of that, um, the Yankees, they did lose Araldis Chapman, as Mike highlighted there, but they extended Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo. How are you feeling about the Yankees offseason moves so far? I like the Yankees offseason moves a lot. Um, losing Chapman, uh, that dude's on the decline for sure. Um, we definitely do need a closer now, though. That's something that we didn't really – address in the offseason but getting Rodon is going to be big for our our rotation and then on top of that it seems like we're leaning more towards uh putting faith in our farm system and we we called up Anthony Volpe and we called up um Estevan Florial so we're, we're seeing some young guys come in that actually might take over for some of the more washed up guys that we need to start thinking about shipping out like Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa that really you know like they're okay for a short term but you know we're not winning a championship at any point in time with these guys in in the starting lineup so um the right moves are being made um with the yankees i'd say that much but an interesting free agency signing that i wanted to call out while i while i have the floor here is is the mets gave kodai sanga out of japan a pretty pretty huge bag so I'm, I'm looking to see what he does anytime a, a japanese free agent is signed like that i want to i always want to watch and see how they develop because they're always they always have a lot of hype coming coming from overseas hmm, that, i didn't know about that is that did they do that move after the world baseball classic was he a part of that i think he was i don't know when they actually signed him though it might have been winter meetings i'm not positive Interesting. Raymond, do you know, by chance? Uh, I'm pretty sure they made that move before the World Baseball Classic. I'm pretty sure he was a part of it. I know another World Baseball Classic guy was a uh, guy that the Red Sox got. I think it's uh, Yoshida. <clears throat> he's uh, he's with the Red Sox, but he was in the World Baseball Classic, too. He's another guy that's kind of in that same caliber. Just a really exciting um, Japanese-born player that might take the league by storm, so I'm super excited for him. 
Awesome. Yeah. And while we're while we're on the subject of the World Baseball Classic, we did see Shohei Otani and Japan get the win. It was their third World Baseball Classic win. Um, it did start in 2006. I think there's only been five or six of them. Uh, the USA had one, but it was Japan over the USA in that in that final game. Uh, do you think the outcome, Raymond, would be different if it was like a series, maybe three or five games rather than just a one a one game single elimination thing? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you take a single elimination game and you take a series, you know, anything can really happen. I think at the end of the day, I'm really hoping that this World Baseball Classic was a, the kick in the behind that the U.S. needed to really start sending their top tier talent, you know. I, I don't know. When I when I heard the rosters announced, obviously at the beginning of it, right, we had Kershaw, we had a couple other big name guys that would have made it more of an impact. But, you know, when you get to the actual tournament and you see the roster that's thrown out there, it's it's unfortunately just not the top of the top. And I hope that, you know, with with the elevation of how much um, <clears throat> viewership the tournament got and just how pumped these guys were. I mean, you you see, you saw Trey Turner hitting a home run in the semifinals, and these guys were acting like they just won the World Series, and it was like the fifth inning of the game. You yeah. know, and I know there was a lot of people that were talking that it was just an exhibition game. I know Mets fans are pissed about Edwin Diaz and stuff like that, but hell, man, the, the Dodgers lost Gavin Lux rounding third base in a spring training game, right? No one's calling for spring training to be canceled. I think World Baseball Classic, you know, if the U.S. really brings their A game, really brings their best guys out, I think I think the tournament's good as it is. I like doing the group stages. I like the single elimination tournament, um, make it nice and quick and easy. And, yeah, if the U.S. really brings their A team next season or next, next go around, which I think will be 2026, because it was supposed to be last year, but because of COVID and things like that or something like that, they shifted it. But it's only three years away now. But then it'll be every four years. Um, I'm super stoked for it. I'm, I'm mad that I wasn't able to get tickets this go around. Yeah, it's crazy. They did play a lot of those games here in town. And I, I love that those like all the moments and highlights of the different plays. It is definitely a different dynamic having it be single elimination. That that Trey Turner Grand Slam, you're right. They were celebrating like it was just like you said, the World Series. I mean, it was pretty, pretty entertaining though, the back and forth, because I think it was Venezuela we were playing. And they were really kind of take giving it to us up until that point. But uh, Tom and I, I got to ask you, I know you were uh, keeping a little bit of a close eye on the World Baseball Classic. Would you like to see them kind of loosen up these MLB clubs, loosen up and really let their guys go all out? Because I did hear some reports of, of even here in town, Cattell Marte having his load managed during the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, I mean, go, picking back off what Raymond said, I mean, you would love to see – USA just throw all their stars like it's, you know, the dream team of, uh, you know, basketball in the Olympics. But uh, yeah, would, yeah, restrictions. I mean, of course, you'd like to see everyone be able to play in the classic or at least have the opportunity to or choice. But it's a timing thing. It's like this is all going on when people are preparing for a season, you know, and I mean, people called it that exp ex exhibition game. But like, you know, you're going out, you're, you're representing your country. But your real season starts when it's over, when opening day comes around where you, you know, get your money and, you know, and you're playing for the World Series, you know, the biggest trophy you can get with baseball. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, how do you incentivize it? Do you, do you change the timing of it so you get people more interested in it? I mean, like what if they played it? But the season's so long for baseball. It's just I, I don't know. I mean, how, how do you get all these big stars to play? 
in it when they're, you know, when they're getting ready, going through spring training and getting ready for the season, it's, it's tough, but Hey, I, I had fun watching it, except, uh, our boy, uh, Merrill Kelly, uh, kind of screwed us to start, <laughs> to start the final against Japan, giving up those two runs. Yeah. Happens, Mike. I think uh, when we were we were texting about this when the the game ended and and Japan won, you called the World Baseball Classic the fake Olympics. Am I getting that right? Don't be putting words in my mouth, man. Come on. <laughs> but you know, one thing I will say, I guess going back to the injuries, you know, obviously what happened with Edwin Diaz was was tough, and then same thing with the Jose Altuve and his broken thumb. But you know, guys, even like Francisco Lindor came out there's in favor of it. It's still such a new cultural thing within the grand scheme of, you know, something like the Olympics. You have to build its notoriety, and that could take years and years. You have to play it multiple times. But I do like the trajectory of where it's going. And it's just trying to find that happy medium, like Talman was saying, too. It's like, when's the best time to play it? You know, playing it right before or during spring training is tough, but where else are you really going to do it? Are you going to do it in February, a month before? It, it's something that was always going to be have to, you're always going to have to work on, but it, it doesn't mean that it can't get there one day. But, you know, the last thing I will say about the injuries as well, just watch, you know, 2026, there's going to be some other major guy who gets hurt kind of the same way that Edwin Diaz is. It's just part of sports, man. It's part of the game. It happens. But, you know, there's just something to be said for the camaraderie of playing for nations. And, you know, years down the road, trust me, it'll be the same way like when these teams came to, I was going to call it Bank One Ballpark, but that's really, really far, far ago. <laughs> Uh, you know, when they come to Chase Field and there's 45,000 people in the stands because they're there to represent their country. And that's something that just can't be replicated. Yeah, and I agree. I love that aspect of it. You know, the the MLB and baseball in general is an international game now. And seeing these guys being proud to represent their country and play for their teams. I know even Team Mexico had a pretty good show and they had some nice players on there. Uh, Ian, to let you get your two cents here on the World Baseball Classic, I'll ask you this. Do you think it's cool or concerning that Japan has more or less dominated the World Baseball Classic since its inception, winning those three titles out of out of five? Um, I think it's I, – I wouldn't call it concerning. It, it, it is cool to the degree that, you know, it, it, it's cool to see a, a talent from another country showcase like that. It would be cool to see, you know, USA win sooner or later. But um, I think the difference between us and Japan when they assembled their team is they really did throw the kitchen sink at their roster. Um, every good Japanese player available was on that team. Whereas, you know, we had a good hitting lineup but when it came to our pitching rotation that that was not our best guys we were holding back and i i think that's gonna that that that's really what i took away watching it was you know we weren't we're not a hundred percent invested in it yet and i think we should be now that's a, absolutely a great point because uh, you can have off nights or on nights really at any position but i think more so not always super consistent with the bats whereas pitchers are a lot more more consistent and having those strong arms those consistent pitchers out there would be would be absolutely be a game changer 
I do kind of want to shift directions here a little bit, pass it over to Raymond to kind of give us some insight on the Dodgers and kind of what you think of how their team's being assembled here. Um, you know, like I highlighted there, you lost Trey Turner, Cody Bellinger, and Justin Turner, but you did re-sign Clayton Kershaw to a one-year deal, and he's going to be third in the rotation. How are you feeling about, about your team overall and, and more specifically the pitching staff? Yeah, absolutely. I think um... – I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's been kind of a bummer for the last however many years in a row, basically losing an elite shortstop for absolutely nothing and then trying to replace them. You know, we went from Machado to Seager and then Turner, and now we got Miggy Rojas, which don't get me wrong, Miggy is a fantastic player. I think I think he was second or third in the gold glove running last season. So, like, he's still an elite glove, which – with the shift ban, I'm actually really happy that we focused on getting somebody of that caliber. But obviously, his bat leaves a lot to be desired. Um, yeah, I think the Dodgers are going to take a step back this season. Realistically, I mean, I'm not thinking I'm not thinking they're going to be you know the last in the division by any means. I think for five years in a row they've led the National League in runs and runs allowed, which is an insane stat. Um, so I don't really think that they're going to take too much of a step back, but what I am most excited for this season is seeing the Dodgers kind of shift their, almost like shift their perception perception of what their farm system truly is, right? The Dodgers have had a top 10 farm system for the last decade, but they've never used them, right? They've used them to get, you know, the Mookies and the Trey Turners and things like that. But I think this is a season that they're actually going to call up some guys, right? We're going to see, the Miguel Vargas is we're going to see James Altman, right? James Altman's got a lot of good stuff. Some of our pitchers like Ryan Pepio, Gavin Stone, Michael Bush, right? We got a lot of good guys that hopefully this is the season that the Dodgers kind of shift their perspective and start giving their guys some run because in the previous seasons, that hasn't been the case, right? They've gone after the Max Scherzers to fill in the pitching holes instead of getting the guy that's, you know, throwing a sub two ERA in the minor league system, you know? So I'm really excited for that. Um, I'm excited too for the season, the signings that we did in the offseason. I think Jason Hayward, you know, the Dodgers <clears throat> have one of the best coaching staffs in baseball. So if anybody can fix that dude's career, I'm hoping the Dodgers can give him a shot. Um, I think, um, you know, obviously we still got Freddie Freeman. We still got Mookie Betts. Like we still got really good, talented players. So I think the Dodgers are going to have a fine season. Um but I won't lie. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm sure my Dodger friends are going to kill me for this, but I think the Padres are really going to take the division, to be honest. I think what they've done in getting Xander Bogarts, hopefully Tati stops being a, an idiot and actually plays baseball. Right. But you throw in Machado, man, that pitching staff with Musgrove and all the other guys, like they have a, they have a hell of a team, man. They have a hell of a team. Like, they rightfully so whooped our ass in the in the playoffs last season, and I think that they're going to continue to take a step forward this season. So I think it's going to be a tight race. I mean, I could very much see a – what was it, two years ago where it went to like almost like a game 163 between the Dodgers and the Giants. Like I could see that being with the Dodgers and Padres this season, which not great for my health, but I would love <laughs> the sport of baseball. So I'm really excited for the Dodgers this season. Yeah, no doubt. They're, they're, I mean, I've – an, an almost no doubt that it's going to be the Dodgers and Padres competing for the division title. And 
Talman, Mike, I'm going to ask you about the Diamondbacks here in a little bit, but I did just want to ask Raymond one quick follow-up about the Dodgers. Yeah. As you as you guys are building this roster out, maybe, like you said, tapping into the farm system, do you think Trace Thompson is an everyday outfielder for you guys? No. No, I don't think so. I think um, <clears throat> he has a lot of good tangibles, but I don't know. I think, I think when you look at our outfield rotation, I think we have enough players that nobody besides Mookie should be an everyday guy realistically speaking right because realistically we have um what is it peralta we have hayward we got chris taylor we got mookie betts we got james outman and i mean hell even in the minor league system we got guys like andy pajes that he made a couple good strides in the in spring training this season so i don't think thompson should be our everyday guy um i would much rather prefer him being more of like um a spot rotational kind of guy based on matchups but i mean he had a really good season last season you know he became a dodger favorite and we all love him as a fan base um but we got to be kind of realistic you know he tends to choke up a lot in some at bats um and his defense also leaves a little bit to be desired but we could do a lot worse than trace thompson to be honest so i do think that People also really underestimate how much losing Cody Bellinger is going to hurt the Dodgers in terms of that defensive presence. But again, when as long as the pitching staff can do what it takes to not allow that many runs, I have no problem with the offense, you know, racking up some runs and that should be enough to win games at the end of the day. So I think they'll be fine. We'll see. I, I like you bringing up Hayward, Hayward. Hayward, I didn't know that he had signed with you guys. And sometimes, you know, he's shown that he can be a successful, solid player in this league. And sometimes it just takes a change of scenery for a guy to turn it around. I mean, we might see that with Cody Bellinger. We might not. But always worth taking a shot at those guys. Now, Tallman, like I said, we got to talk about the Diamondbacks. Last year, they did improve their record by 22 wins from 2021. Now, I know it's not much to go from 52 wins to 74 wins. You still have a losing season, but over or under 74 wins for our D-backs this year? Over all day. We're going over. We got, dude, we got Evan Longoria. The day is saved. Let's oh, go. Goodness. <laughs> That's all we needed, man. No, I'm... I'm kidding about that in Longoria, obviously. Um, I'm thinking way over 74. Okay, let me pump the brakes. Not way over 74. I'm thinking 79, 80, 81. Maybe we'll figure it 500? out. 500? Smith 500? Uh, yeah. Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm thinking so. Um, especially with the Dodgers taking a step back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're still going to kick our ass. Um, but the the young talent is you just you can't you can't not just believe in the young talent with this team. And uh, the pitching rotation is a little interesting. Did you guys see who got the fifth spot? That Ryan Nelson kid. So Ooh. Ryan Nelson. Oh, geez. Someone we he's he's young. He's like twenty three or something. Um, but what's interesting about it is like he barely beat out the two other guys. And I'm gonna look. Do you guys? Uh, what was it? So it was uh, Ryan Nelson, Dre D J Dre Jamison, Jesus, and then this Brandon. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his last name. P F A A D T. Like what? What type of ass spelling is that of a last name? Um, but the the fifth spot on the rotation is gonna be interesting to watch because the Nelson guy got the nod for the fifth spot, 
But it's curious to see if he struggles a little bit, they're probably going to have a short leash with him. We might see a lot of uh, a couple of those other younger guys kind of plugged in um, as we move through the season. But um, the biggest hit was, uh, what was it? Uh, the catcher. Carson Kelly. Carson mm-hmm. Kelly. Breaking Gabriel his... Moreno, dude. That's See, that's awesome. I'm, I'm stoked, that, stoked to see him start off. Um, but yeah, but him breaking his arm like that, man. I mean, how long does that take to heal? He's going to be out for. I think they said two months. For two, yeah. Minimum. So that's that's that was just killer right there. But thank God we uh, got Gabriel Moreno. I mean, he's going to be just a plug and play. Um, it's going to be great. And then our boy, Mister Moneyman uh, Carroll, that outfield. It's that young talent is going to be so much fun to watch. So we're going five hundred. <laughs> Let's let's hope, man. I mean, we really need to keep trending in that direction, uh, especially if Tori Lovello wants to to keep his job. Um, now, I know it's not all on him. There is kind of this youth movement, which I'm really looking forward to. I know Mike is as well. But Mike, uh, Mike Tallman mentioned there Evan Lingor, the Evan Longoria signing. I don't know if he's our savior, but the sheriff is back in town. Andrew Chafin is he enough to bolster our bullpen and get it where it needs to be? I don't know. I think it's a good start, um, you know, but we're already seeing some injuries to start the season. Joe Mantiply is on the injured list, the 10-day DL right now. Mark Melancon is going to be – I feel like I said that wrong. Chris, Melanson. Tell me. Melanson. He's out to start as well, so they're just going to have to hold the line. Then Scott uh, McGow, the closer, we'll see how he does, but – I mean, in regards to pitching, I'm really excited for this starting unit. You know, the Diamondbacks giving the nod, the opening days to start to Zach Gallen. I'm hoping that he can be, you know, top three in the Cy Young race, maybe, you know, push for a possible win. I think he's going to have a stellar season along with Merrill Kelly. I think my favorite thing about this is that we finally get to push Madison Bumgarner a little bit farther down the line. So he doesn't have to be our main ace anymore. But, you know, touching exactly back on what you were talking about, Chris, I am so excited for this outfield young core that we have. You know, Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy, they already started to have some nice breakout seasons last year. And then you bring in Corbin Carroll for the last 30 games, who is going to be a stud. I think he's already kind of the leader for the rookie of the year in the NL for odds. So, yeah. Kind of puts things in perspective with that Dalton Varsho trade. You know, we probably could use him to start because I know he switches between outfield, but he also can play catcher. Um, But we'll see what Gabriel Moreno can do. And then, you know, those older guys, Evan Longoria, Nick Ahmed, I think it's kind of his last hurrah. And they're there to mentor those young guys and take them to the next level. So there's some higher expectations for this franchise this year, which has been sorely needed for the valley so i'm super excited to see where this young core goes this year without a doubt i mean that's you bring up melanson there and and you kind of had it right Malankon. i call him Malankon. and if anyone knows i've been having a bone to pick with him for over a year because in 2021 he led the league in saves with 39 playing for the padres i believe it was and then we throw 14 million dollars at him last year in 2022 and he only got 18 saves so this guy's a bum i could care less if he is injured or plays or starts for us or not 
it really doesn't matter to me, but I just really do hope that they, they continue to trust these young guys, give them opportunities, get that chemistry going. And, and maybe in, in a few two, three years um, or less or more, we can start to compete with the likes of the Dodgers and the Padres. Um, Ian, how you doing, man? I'm chilling, dude. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And uh, I'm really good because the MLB is doing something different this year where every team will be playing every team, kind of like we see in, in most other sports. So are you excited that you'll get to see the Yankees come to Arizona more than once every five years? Yes, but the issue that I have with it is that it's still a little bit half-baked because the Yankees aren't coming to Arizona this year. They are playing the Diamondbacks, but the Diamondbacks are going to New York. So it is awesome that every team is going to be playing every team, but I think with 162 games, they should be able to work out how every team should be going to every city and not just playing every team. Yeah, that that would be neat. Would you... Would you like it more than if like maybe they did like shorter series to make that happen? Like one or two games in New York and then one one or two games here in Arizona? Yeah, definitely. For interleague, I think you could definitely do that. Like just do two game series, um, two on the road, two at home, something like that. I think I, I, it should be doable. Like they they have enough, like a long enough season that I, I think this should be possible. I'm not too smart like smart enough to figure out how to do it but i i think if the nba can do it with half as many games i don't see any reason why baseball can't you know what i mean yeah that that is a great point um i mean raymond i'll ask you i guess you think uh, a concern could be maybe like the travel aspect of it when you have a team like the dodgers having to fly all the way to new york and playing five six games in a week or or any other concerns you might think of with that See, I don't know. I think um, I think going to other rules such as like the pitch clock and the shift change and stuff like that, I think it's just going to be a work in progress, you know. <clears throat> I can see because I looked it up and basically to my understanding, it's going to be teams are going to face their four division opponents 14 times each season. Seven home, seven away. That's 56 games. They'll also face the other 10 teams in their league six times apiece, playing a three-game set at each ballpark, so on and so forth, right? So – I do feel like there is a lot to work on with that. Um, I feel like you just kind of got to see how it plays out for a season before making any changes. I think it's a good step in the right direction. Um, I think that's the best way to grow the sport, you know, especially like a state like Arizona that has so many transplants. Like I can guarantee you a three-game set of the Yankees out in Chase Field will – I can guarantee it will be 85% sold out, you know, because there's so many New Yorkers from – living out here in Arizona. So I think it's a step in the right direction. Um, But I can also see the backlash from, you know, the baseball purists that are like, no, like we want to play our, we want to see, you know, the Dodgers play the D-backs, you know, 17 times in a single season (laughs) because that's just how baseball has been for the last however many hundred years. But Mm -hmm. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think it makes no sense why baseball is taking so long to get on that train like every other sport. Um. So I'll just take some tweaking. I'm sure maybe in a season or two or the next collective bargaining agreement, they'll shift it around a little bit. You know, maybe like you guys suggested, you know, one series here, one series there. Um, so I'm sure it's tinkering to be done. But realistically, with how big of a season it is, I don't think travel should be a concern. I've seen games where 
even last season, I remember there was a game where the Dodgers played the, the Rockies twice in the same day, and then they went to like Atlanta, like the very next night or something like that. So I don't really feel like there's an excuse. Um, I could see maybe in the future, maybe they expand the rosters a little bit to allow for more adjustments. Maybe they let you throw in an extra pitcher on your staff or throw in an extra position player. And, you know, you have one of those sets, you know, it could be, you know, a bunch of bench guys or something like that. So I, I just feel like it'll be tweaked as time goes on, but step in the right direction. I'm excited for it. Yeah, no, that's a really great point uh, as far as them continuing to make the changes. And I don't think this is something they just did willy-nilly without putting any thought into. I'm sure they studied it, had focus groups, considered all of these ramifications we're talking about. Talman, something I was just thinking of here, um, I mean, like Raymond mentioned there, it, some people might think it's unfair that the Dodgers just get to whoop the Diamondbacks and the Rockies and get all those wins in their record. Do you think this will help in getting the best teams into the playoffs with having to play more of a, a wider talent pool? Wait, so you mean we don't get, as in we as in the Diamondbacks, don't get penalized for being in one of the best divisions in baseball? More or less. <laughs> Oh, I think it's it's great for us, for the Dimebacks, and for any other small market team out there similar to the Dimebacks. It's, I mean, come on, we don't have to play. All right, we don't have to play the the Dime, or we don't have to play the Dodgers or the Padres as many times as we normally do. Then it's a total win. Oh, and then other fans from outside of the state that you know moved here, they get to see their teams from wherever the hell they're from. That's great. It's a win-win. You get to sell more tickets, possibly. And kind of help the the team be a little more competitive. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of upsides to it, and uh, we'll have to see those those tweaks being made. Mike, um, I haven't quite dissected the Diamondbacks schedule yet, so I, I feel a little guilty throwing this question your way. But are there any games uh, that you're excited for um, coming to town? Any teams coming to town, or, or teams you're excited to see play the Diamondbacks this year with this new schedule change? Yeah, you're putting it on me here, Chris. I appreciate that one. Absolutely. I mean, the one thing for me, and I'll pass it back over to you, are the Red Sox coming to town? Um, I think I have a 50-50 shot of getting this right. Uh, so I'm going to say yes. Because <laughs> you got those Boston ties, right? You, got, yeah, you still got that, family. That would be the big one for me. I, I have still right. have. I still have extended family members over in uh, Boston and Beantown. Um, you know, I grew up here in the Valley, so I'm a Valley fan. And I won't say that I truly have any allegiances to any of the Boston teams, but it's kind of the same way that the Yankees only come every five years. You know, that's what was happening with the Red Sox. And now it sounds like it'll be kind of an every other year scenario. So you get to see, you know, those teams and, I'd be excited to see the Braves come to town, maybe the Astros. You know, I, I know we play the Padres all the time, but just with their continued growth and loading up over there, that will be some great games to see as well. But I think overall as a whole, having each team play every team is good for the fans as well, right? It keeps you invested within your team and you start seeing other teams within the game that you don't get to ever see. And you start learning new guys' names. You start to see, you know, those up-and-comers and you get more invested within the game, which is overall what we want as a fan. 
I don't want to just know who the Diamondbacks are. I'd love to build rivalries with other teams and learn some of those new guys, up and comers, the futures and the, and the stars of this league. So that's the biggest thing that I'm excited for. It's been, I won't lie to you, man. I think it's been two years since I've been to a game uh, at Chase Field. So have a lot more incentive to go now because, you know, if the Blue Jays come to town and Guerrero Jr. is out here hitting bombs, you know, that's one that I want to mark on the calendar and try and get a ticket for, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Seeing those stars come to town, and I was seeing, looking at the the schedule there, the Mets will be coming to town, so I'm sure – Tallman will be excited to go and see 40-year-old Justin Verlander. Um, I don't. I actually guess I can't say if he's going to be pitching or not, but hopefully one, one of the, those games in the three-game series he will be. Uh, Raymond, I was thinking of a question here. We're talking about the Dodgers kind of having a, maybe a little bit of a quieter offseason and the World Baseball Classic. So tying those two together, do you expect that next season when Shohei Otani is a free agent that the Dodgers will offer him a big old bag of cash? Oh, man, that's been a question that I've been like racking my brain around for so long, man. Like the I want to be like the villain of the sport and make people actually have a reason to hate the Dodgers besides other aspects. I'd love for Shohei to be a Dodger. I think it'd be fantastic. I'm not going to lie to you. My concern, obviously, is giving a 500 to 650 million dollar contract. Um, to any player, <clears throat> obviously Shohei, right? Like, you know, as a generational talent, you you give a guy like that money, right? But I don't know, man. I, I, I look at, you know, Mr. Steve Moneybags over in New York, you know, I can imagine the Mets are going to be in the running. Um, you never know. I mean, a team like, hell, a team like the Giants might be in the running as well, the Padres, a lot of these big teams. Um so, I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath, to be honest, for who gets Shohei, because I, I really find it hard to believe that Shohei stays with the Angels. You know, I, I, I refuse to believe that he's ever going to achieve that level of a high that he got at the World Baseball Classic. Obviously, the World Series is a big thing, but you're not going to get there with the Angels anytime soon unless something drastically changes and 28 other teams disappear. So... Yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd be excited for Shohei to be a Dodger. I'm not going to lie to you. And realistically, any team would be happy to have him. You know, you put into perspective what that contract really means. Think about it. Yes, it's half a billion dollars. But you're also going to gain the backing of an entire country being a part of your fan base now. Think about it, right? Like, you're going to have an entire country wanting to go to your stadium to watch your games because of Shohei Otani. I think that in itself is worth the investment. So I know a lot of times fans get really boggled when it comes to contracts and money. Like I'm sure there were Yankee fans that were like, no, don't give Aaron judge all this money. I'm sure there were people that were like, don't give Trey Turner this money. But it's like, at the end of the day, it's not my money. It's the owner's money. And if the owners want to put a better product in the field, I'm all for it. Right. At the end of the day, like seeing the Padres drop money on Bogarts, seeing the Phillies drop money on Trey Turner, like that's what's going to get the game rolling. So whoever ends up with Shohei, man, they're going to be absolutely raking in money in endorsements and new fans. And hopefully it goes to a team that's going to win him a championship because Mike Trout not having a championship at this point in his career is criminal. So I don't want that to happen for Otani, 100%. 
Absolutely. It seems like the Los Angeles Angels are, are where dreams go to die. And why Mike Trout signed his whole life and career to them and is going to play there till he's 45 or whatever his contract tapes him to is, is insane. But you're absolutely right. Any team would be lucky and blessed to have Shohei Otani. I mean, you bring up a great point there. I didn't even consider getting the whole backing of Japan and all those fans that are going to buy the merchandise. That's an easy investment. I mean, who's not going to want a Shohei Otani jersey over there? Uh, Ian, I guess in this vein here, I'll ask you, do you think the Yankees should join the Shohei Otani sweepstakes next offseason? Yeah, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything Raymond said, just replace Dodgers with the Yankees, and that's exactly how I feel. Um, I would love to have him. I'm under the impression from when the chase was on to get him to an American team that he doesn't want to play for the Yankees because I remember him coming out and saying, I don't want to sign with a large market team. But then he signed to a team in Los Angeles, which makes absolutely no sense to me. But I I, I think that was directed towards New York. Um, yeah, and I, I agree. You, you, you throw a bag at a guy like that because, you know, backing of a whole country, like no one, no one cared about the Mariners after Ken Griffey until uh, Ichiro showed up. So it's, it's, it's the same idea as that man, like maybe turned up even more just because there's, there's never been a player like him in our lifetime. So yeah, I would absolutely love to see the Yankees get Otani, but I, I have a, I have an inkling that he doesn't want to be in New York. That's a fair point. I mean, I, I mean, we even just saw with, uh, I think it was uh, Joey Gallo, a guy who had had a successful career up until his time with the Yankees and then kind of choked under the bright lights and didn't like all the constant criticisms. Uh, even some Valley ties when Randy Johnson later in his career went to the Yankees, he was shoving cameraman out of his face and, and he didn't have quite a good time in New York. So it's not for everybody. It seems like Aaron judge is one of those kind of special talents who can really soak it all in, block out the noise and, and still continue to play his game. But do you think that that might be like a fear of Otani's is, is not really liking to have all that pressure of an entire city on his, on his shoulders. Cause you're right. The, the angels are a big market as far as the city is, but they're the little brother to the Dodgers who really get all, probably a lot of the attention out there. Yeah. I I'd be surprised if his reason for not wanting to come to the Yankees is that he doesn't want the media pressure and the, the spotlight. Cause he's, he seems, I, I mean, granted it's the angels, but he seems to be thriving where he's at now. And he, he is the guy in Japan still. Um, I think it's more, you know, when you grow up as a fan, there's two ways you can go when you make it to, to, to the majors. There's the, there's the players that say, Oh, I grew up watching Derek Jeter. You know, I always wanted to play for the Yankees. That's my team. And then there's the other side of that coin, which is I, I can't stand this team. They won all the time. You know what I mean? We're, we're hated just as much as we're loved. And I think, I think a little bit of that might play into it a little more than him being scared to, to play here. I think he could definitely handle it. I think he does have the mindset and good head on his shoulders to, to do it. I, but I, I think, I think he has something against the Yankees a little bit. 
It'll be, it'll be interesting to see where he lands. I can almost assure you that the Diamondbacks are not going to be in contention to get Shohei Otani, but that's okay. We got Corbin Carroll. Am I right, Mike? Oh, oh yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm telling you, man, this guy's going to be a stud. I'm telling you. And that's all I got to say about it. Uh, man, I'm excited. I'm Bringing up while we're while we're on the topic of talking Corbin Carroll, I want to just look at some of the odds out there, and and so I'm going to pass this over to Tallman here. You got Corbin Carroll at, is the favorite for NL Rookie of the Year right now at plus three fifty. The AL Rookie of the Year favorite is Gunnar Henderson at plus two seventy. But looking big picture at the teams slated to win the World Series right now, they have the Astros at plus six hundred. Braves plus 750, Dodgers plus 750, and Yankees plus 750. If you were to place a bet, $1,000 today, Tallman, which team are you putting it all on? I'm putting it on the Padres. Okay. That's that's who I'm thinking. And what they're, I'm just, I just pulled it up, but they're plus 950. But I'm thinking the, Do- uh, the Dodgers. We'll probably have a repeat of last year. I think the Padres might might make a run. I mean, I, I could see it. They did add Xander Bogarts. They're supposed to get Tatis back, or he is back already. I don't know which one. But if they can stay healthy, uh, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. They don't have a bad pitching rotation. They got a lot of good bats. So it's going to be it's gonna be tough. As far as MVP, I mean, I think it's probably a lock in the AL that it's going to be Shohei Otani. But – who do you who do you like for NL MVP right now? It looks like Juan Soto and Mookie Betts are, are at the top of that race. It's so hard to say. I mean, it could be any of those top five guys. What was it? Freeman's on there too. I think um, so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's I way would, too early, right? Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't touch Soto with a ten foot pole, but maybe that's just me. Um, I don't know, man. It's that one's just it's. You could throw money at any of those top five types, top 16 uh, names. And it could be a, could be worth a shot. I, I don't have a favorite on that one. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Michael Benjamin, I'll ask you then, are you see you, I know you're high on Cor- Corbin Carroll. I was just kind of mentioning that. Would you put money on him to win rookie of the year though? Yeah. And I'm probably not going to make a lot because I think he's just the outright favorite in the NL. Um, but the, you know, in the AL Rookie of the Year, Gunnar Henderson from the Orioles is kind of at the top of the list as well. I think there's just too much notoriety with Corbin Carroll and such a good start, even within just a small sample size last year, for him to be given a full year to grow and you know start to become the face of this franchise. The man already signed his eight-year, $111 million contract before the season started. All of our eggs are in that basket, and I think he's going to make us proud. Yeah, I mean, as long as he stays healthy, I, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be the case. What, what do you think, Tallman? I think that Carroll one's easy money. What was the, what were the odds you had on there? Plus 350 when I checked earlier today. Oh, man, it's plus 400 on DraftKings. <laughs> oh, my God. Then place your bet on DraftKings because oh, I was man, looking at FanDuel, I think. Yeah. That's an e- that's an easy lock right there, but hey, you never know. Baseball's crazy. Absolutely, absolutely is. So, 
Guys, before we get out of here, it's been a lot of fun, but I want to ask you all how you think the season is going to go, and more importantly, your World Series prediction. I think I have an idea of how you guys might answer this, but I'll pass it down to Raymond first to see what he thinks. Uh, I don't know, man. I think uh, it's killing me to say this, man, but I really think the Astros come out of the American League again. I, I, I don't see another team in the, in the league that can go toe-to-toe with that pitching staff and obviously losing uh, Altuve for a couple games, that's going to suck. But, <clears throat> man, that team, I swear they just find random guys or they get them through lucky trades. Like So, yeah, I think, I think um, they come out of the American League. Um, National League, man, I'm – Might have to go Padres, man. I don't know. I, I it pains me to say that, but I just I don't see the Dodgers really making too much of a run. Unfortunately, I think <clears throat> I think pitching is going to be a big issue for that team. You know, when you're banking on Noah Syndergaard, hopefully getting to you know even a tenth of the percent of the pitcher that he used to be. Um, Dustin May, you know, he missed most of the last two seasons. We don't have Walker Bueller. I just I don't see the Dodgers being that kind of a dominant force. Now, obviously, you know, we can have this conversation again after the trade deadline and we might be having a different conversation. But I think um, I think you throw either um, Atlanta or San Diego as the National League frontrunners, in my opinion. I, I do. I really like the Braves, and I think losing Freddie Freeman was kind of a, a bummer for for them. But when you you got Dansby Dansby Swanson, I know they don't play the same position, but that's a guy who again can really make it happen. Has a good bat. Ian, though, same question. Uh, what are you thinking? You know, season prediction and World Series prediction. Uh, for NL, I I gotta go with the Braves. Um. I don't know what Acuna is looking like right now, but um, yeah, they were just there. And with the West being a little more up in the air, I think the National League East has a, has a, a chance of going a little bit further. Uh, I can't really say the Mets because no matter how good their roster is, they always manage to find a way to fuck it up. Um, and then AL... I could see the Astros again, but I, I I do wonder if early season is going to hurt them since they lost Altuve, and then on top of that, they don't have Verlander anymore. Um, they do, like Raymond said, manage to find guys out of the woodwork that will step in and just shake it up. But um, yeah, I think I think I still have to go Astros probably. I, I don't think the Yankees did enough to push them over the edge where they'll win a seven game series against them, and that's still gonna be their, their biggest obstacle uh come October. So I, I, I think yeah, Braves and Astros is what it's gonna look like. Very interesting. Okay, so neither of you guys are taking your teams respectively. And I I can respect that. I can appreciate it. Tallman, I know you're not about to tell me that you think the Diamondbacks are going to make the World Series. So what are you thinking? Who who are your teams you're predicting? <laughs> well, you know, man, Evan Longoria, he's going to win MVP, right? And then we're just going to no, – okay. Uh, well, I already said Padres. Uh, I think the Padres are going to win it all. So we're going to take the Padres. And then uh, 
I'm going to go against the grain just because I hate the Astros so much. So I'm going to pick another team that maybe I hate the same amount. We'll go uh, Padres beating the Yankees. You heard it here first. All right. I I like it. I like it. I like the Padres to make it like you guys are saying. And I do agree as far as the AL team, the Astros are just a force to be reckoned with, man. I, a part of me wanted to say the, the Mets, but everything Ian's told me the Mets are going to met. And so that's just, you can not even have to worry about that. Mike, I'll, I'll toss it to you last. What are you thinking? Big dog. Okay. So first and foremost, we got to talk about if the diamondbacks are even going to make the playoffs this year. And to be honest with you, I don't think we're there just yet. It's going to be so tough in the NL West. These teams are going to cannibalize each other. Obviously, the Padres and the Dodgers are sitting at the top. The Giants are no slouch either, but I I think we're just not going to have enough, unfortunately. But we're building in the right direction. But as far as the AL East, I'm kind of right with you guys. I think the Astros are still going to go back. I'm with Ian as well. How does that early start? you know, affect them with Altuve being out for, you know, a a number of weeks, possibly a couple of months. But, you know, Guardians still have some strong pitching. Yankees are the Yankees, but they haven't reached a World Series since 2009, and it's going to stay the same way this year, unfortunately, Ian. Sorry about that. Astros are going for first back-to-back champs in 23 years, man. That, That would be crazy to see. But in the NL, I did like the Braves' move with adding Sean Murphy from the A's, their catcher. Cardinals added Wilson Contreras as well. But the Padres, man, they just reloaded with adding Xander Bogarts. You can almost say reloading with getting Fernando Tatis back this year as well. So I'm picking them to come out of the NL, and I'm picking Padres over Astros. And unlike what Tallman said earlier, I might just go with Juan Soto as the World Series MVP. So we'll see. Absolutely. We will see. I like the landscape of the league right now. We'll have to see how all these changes we discussed impact the league, all the team changes, the moves made, and we're going to keep tabs on it. Believe that we're going to have another baseball stream. We're going to bring these guys back. So I expect it won't be the last time you see Raymond. Certainly won't be the last time you see Ian. Um, You know, guys, make sure you're following us so you can keep up when we do these at AZ underscore VSP on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok and Valley Sports Plug right here on YouTube and Facebook, of course. But we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Raymond. Thank you, Ian and my co-hosts here. We will see you next time. I'm Chris Patrick for VSP Tallman and Michael Benjamin. Peace. Peace out, guys. Play ball.